Jesus, I am late for church. I'm just going to speak this parking spot into existence right now. Just name it and claim it, Jesus. Oh, for heaven's sakes, use the crosswalk. I, okay, I have the fruit of the spirit, but y'all need to move. Ooh, she is going to wear that into ch Bounce your eyes. Bounce your eyes. Jesus, give me a miracle. I need a ram in the thicket. I love this church. It's just like come as you are. You know what I'm saying? How do I look, though? Does this jacket go with this shirt? Oh, good Lord. Guests, single parents, expected mother. Who doesn't have a parking spot these days? I have been here 27 years. I deserve respect. Oh yeah, go ahead, take my parking spot. She, listen, she probably needs Jesus more than me, honestly. Use your mirror. How long does it take to back out of a... <laughs> Jesus, give me strength. This is so str... Honestly, there better be coffee. There better be coffee. Y'all are gonna make me park in a handicap spot. Oh look, there go the homeschoolers. I swear if somebody took the last jelly donut, I will. Don't make me get out of the... Oh, move hey, are that you on the ministry team? Not today, okay? Oh, you're gonna drive a Lexus? Okay, I know where your treasure's at. Not in heaven. The sermon series is what? Putting others in front of yourself. Oh, this doesn't apply to me. I mean, for heaven's sakes, move out of the road. Look at this truck. Where are you going? A church or a Trump rally? Finally found a parking spot 15 minutes late. Oh, it is way too cold out here, but you better bring a shuttle or I will watch this service online. So hopefully that was not your trip in. It was a little easier to find a parking place uh, here today because, you know, vacations and travels make it a little easier uh, than at other times of the year. But uh, I am glad that you're here. And again, I'm glad you didn't have to go through that. Again, humorous look. Unfortunately, there's a little bit of truth of that sometimes in our lives, which we want to talk about. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 today, so I want to invite you to turn there. Colossians 3, 12 to 17. You obviously, uh, if you have your Bible, open it. There's a Bible and a, the seat back uh, around you as well that you can use Obviously, you can use any device you'd like as well. In this letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians, really the Colossians are living in a culture where the, the way that the culture is thinking is, is counter to what God's word was saying. And it was having a negative impact on the Colossian church when it came together. And so Paul really writes to them and he gives them some instruction, some correction. And so we're going to look at these verses this morning together. Follow along with me, Colossians 3, 12 to 17. It says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. As I looked at those verses this week, really three areas jumped out at me who we are, our attitude towards others, and our response to God. And those are the three areas we're going to talk about briefly this morning. The very first phrase of verse 12 says this, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Paul starts out in, in the, the first part of chapter three by talking to the Colossians about who they are in Christ and some of the behaviors that should be in their lives and some of the behaviors that should not be in their lives. And then here he says, therefore, so because all that's true, he's saying, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, 
And then he begins to give instruction. So the, in this verse, the first part of this verse, really we find our first principle that we're going to be talking about this morning, and that is comprehend your value. The selfie world in which we live tells us, cover up your blemishes, cover up your problems, your weaknesses, and, and if you hey, put up a good front, right, it's all about image. But God's word tells us that it's really about who we are inside. And really God's word tells us that even in our brokenness, God loves us and he cares for us. The selfie culture that, that we live in, right, that, that, that's kind of permeating our world, if you will, tells us that we are loved when we are liked, when our comment section looks good, when we have lots of followers and people pay attention to where we go and what we do. If you've ever seen someone post a, a selfie, right, a lot of times the comments will be like, you know, looks beautiful, great, so pretty. And those aren't bad things. If you've, if you've said those things to someone, it's not a problem. If you've posted a selfie and heard those things, that's not a problem. Here's the problem. The problem is when we begin to believe that when we hear those things, we have high value. But when we don't hear them, we do not. That's the problem. That's the message that the selfie world that we live in can send, right? And because of that, that's why people spend so much time trying to make those selfies look good, as, as Keith talked about and Joe talked about. Have you ever gotten a selfie? Keith and I talked about this this week. It's from someone you know. It's a friend of yours, and they post a selfie, and you're like, who is that? It doesn't even look like them because they, they try so hard to make themselves look good, they end up not looking like themselves, right? That's, the, that's what can happen because in the selfie culture, we want to look good. We want to be liked, and, and the way we are liked is by looking good. But God's Word says He knows all there is to know about us, and He loves us dearly. He's chosen us, and He loves us dearly. And when I thought of that idea of being loved dearly, the thing that came to my mind this week was the birth of our first son. Right? You're, 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 it's the first child, and so you're anxious, and you're excited, and you don't know what's coming, and all those months happen, and finally, Grace goes into labor. It was really early in the morning in Columbia, South Carolina. I remember that because there was no car on the road but us going to the hospital, and you get there, and you know, this whole process takes place, and, and, and things are moving along, and then Brandon decides he's not ready for the world. You know, the world's ready for him, but he's like just not coming out. But with help, he's born. And what happens? Within just a few moments, he's placed into my arms, right? And I'm looking at this little human being, and, and my heart just is exploding. I can still remember it with love for, for him. He's done nothing at this point to earn my love. I mean, he's barely, he's taken about five breaths in his life. But I love him dearly. God's word says that's how Jesus loves you. Think about it. And then if you're a parent that's had that opportunity, you, you think, how could I ever love anyone else like this? And then 18 months later, Nathan is born, and I'm holding him in my arms thinking the same thing. My heart is just, it can't contain the love. That's how Jesus Christ loves you. You are dearly loved. That's what Scripture tells us. And that's our first principle. Comprehend your value. It comes from Jesus. It comes from God's valuing of us. As we continue in these verses, now Paul starts to turn his attention to instructing the Colossians as to how they are to relate to one another. Certainly these verses don't just talk about 
the relationship that happens in, to, with believers in a church. But for most of us, I would say all of us, this is the one hour a week that we spend time with the most amount of Christians at the same time, right? And so we want to apply these verses to our time here together, not just at Community Alliance Church, but really at any church. So the second principle that we're going to talk about is treasure others. That selfie culture says, look at me, focus on me, look at what I'm wearing, look at where I've been, look at what I've done, look at how successful I am, right? That's sort of the message it's sending. And and we know that those messages are sent very sort of sporadically and just one little snippet of information. Here's a selfie. We don't know what's happening in that person's life. We just, we, we get really whatever message, whatever message we want to send with a selfie, we can send it, right? And off of that message is, look at me. I'm successful. Don't you want to be me? A lot of times that is the message that's being sent. Several people have said, social media is a billboard, not a diary. I don't know if you've heard that before. It makes sense, right? It's a, it's a snapshot. And once again, we see none of the problems then, none of the issues, none of the, the situations in this person's life. We just see this little snippet, this snapshot, this billboard. The problem is that we compare that person's billboard or their selfie with our diary, right? We know all the problems, all the issues in our lives. And anytime we make that comparison between their billboard and our diary, we are going to lose in that comparison, right? We're going to come up short when we compare our real lives to this selfie. God's word says that the culture in our church should be different than the culture that is out there in the world, in that selfie world. We are not to focus on ourselves, Paul says, but rather on one another. And we're supposed to really focus on one another in order to look and see how we can build one another up, how we can encourage one another, how we can really just help one another, how we can help them to be better followers of Christ, moms and dads, sons and daughters. The problem, of course, a little bit like the video, is the selfie world can creep in on us. And we might, we might decide we're going to do that. We're, we're just going to focus on others. We want to be, be alert to see how we might be able to encourage folks when we come to church. But things happen, maybe in the parking lot, maybe at home before we come. I've talked to several families, and I've talked to, they've said to me that, you know, getting from the kitchen table out the door on a Sunday morning is, is some of the hardest 15, 20 minutes of their week. And in that process, sometimes we can begin to focus on ourselves rather than others. And we can begin to, 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 to focus on what we want and our preferences and what we want the worship to be like and what we want the, the sermon to be like and how long we want the sermon to be. And as I said in the first service, you're probably going to lose that desire today So, because I'm preaching and you can't go anywhere. No, right? We can just get focused on who we are. The other thing that can happen in this selfie culture, really, the selfie world that we live in, is we can focus on others, but we can focus on them and start to find faults, focus on their weaknesses, focus on their quirks, right? Because that's a lot of times what happens uh, with social media today. It's incredible. Someone posts something and the, the, the responses they get can be very critical. And so we can come and we can find ourselves being, again, annoyed, frustrated because someone is sitting in my chair. Someone is in my parking spot. Someone is dressed like that. Some child is making noise when I'm trying to listen. 
Maybe some adult is making noise while I'm trying to listen. Anything can happen. We don't come wanting to be frustrated or focus on others, but it happens very quickly, or at least it, it can. And so what can happen is we can find ourselves frustrated and complaining about things that really aren't that important. And well, one of the things that we know is really important for, is, is people to God, right? God values people highly. And so when we become critical, and we can be critical of almost anything. Think about it, how someone is dressed, how they look, how they sing, how they don't sing, how they worship, how they don't worship. The list is endless. I think if we're honest with ourselves, and I can say, I can be honest with you and say, that happens to me sometimes. I, I come and I, I can start to focus on my wants or my preferences, or I can wonder why a person's doing something or not doing something. That's not God's design. Look quickly with me again at verses 13 and 16, and I'm just going to read the, the first few, uh, the first verse of this, really. It says, bear with each other, forgive one another if any of you has any grievance. And then he goes on to say, forgive and put on love and bind, it says, which binds you all together in perfect unity. The idea here is bear with one another, allow for differences. Don't expect everyone to be like you. Bear with one another. And then the very last part of that section of uh, Scripture in verse 16, it says this. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And the idea here is when we come together, we should be teaching one another and instructing one another. And it's not just teaching the Bible. Right? We, we do teach the Bible here. We preach the Bible from the pulpit. We, we talk about it in life groups. We preach. We teach it. Absolutely. But it's more than that. It's really giving wise counsel of people. It's giving them life advice. It's instructing them not just in God's word, but it's helping them, again, to be the people God's called them to be in every area of their lives. And that type of teaching and instruction, it can certainly happen in, in what I would call formal ministry. Right, so, so children's ministry. I talked to Connie two weeks ago. She said there are four individuals that have been teaching in children's ministry pretty much every week since before she got here. That was 22, 23 years ago. Okay, that, that's, that's commitment to serving other people, to helping other people. I know that there are deaconesses here who have served hundreds and hundreds of funeral dinners to families in their time of need and grief. There's, there's deaconesses who have prepared communion for us as a body hundreds and hundreds of times. I know there are life groups, many of them have served one another so well, right? I saw that happen the last couple of weeks uh, with a life group that just stood so well with a person who was going through a time of loss, a time of grief. They prayed, they sang, they cried, they grieved together. Those are opportunities if you're involved in a life group, if you're involved in ministry, you have those opportunities. But here's what I want you to know. You don't have to be involved in any kind of formal ministry to do what Paul's talking about here, to encourage one another. I think if we just come with our eyes open on Sunday morning and look for people that might need encouragement, we can do that. Let me give you a couple of examples. It's a pretty big church, right? People walk in, sometimes they're just looking around like they don't know, they don't know where they're going. Ask them if they need help. So I said in the first service, if it's Pastor Joe or me that looks that way, just keep walking. It's fine. But if it's someone that just looks like they don't know where they're going, just say, hey, can I help you? 
And they might say, no, I'm fine. Or they might say, well, yeah, I'm looking for this place. Just walk them over. Show them where to go. Maybe you're here and you, you, week after week you see someone that's sort of by themselves that don't seem to be talking to anyone. Just say, hey, how are you? Good morning. That might be all it takes. You don't need a formal ministry position to just encourage one another. Right? Maybe you have a friend that you know is having a rough week and you talk to them on Monday and you text them on Wednesday, but you haven't seen them. Well, rather than heading to your car immediately after the service, take a minute and look for them. Maybe this is an opportunity to face-to-face encourage them. We don't need formal ministries to do what Paul is asking us to do. In big ways and small ways, we can encourage people. When I think of being encouraged uh, the, the one example that comes out uh, in, in my life is, uh, most of you know, now it's been 10 years ago, I discovered that I had epilepsy, right? I had a grand mal seizure at my house. It means I couldn't drive for six months. It ended up being 10 and a half months that I couldn't drive. So someone in the church, I'm sure he's here this morning, uh, Ray, uh, a friend of mine, just took it upon himself, and he arranged rides for me for 10 and a half months, to work and from work every day. Many of you signed up to do that. So he would just arrange a schedule and send me the schedule. I knew who was picking me up, who was taking me home every day for 10 and a half months. What a great encouragement it was. What a great opportunity for us to just be ministered to by the body of Christ. So I mentioned that for two reasons. One, sometimes the help someone needs is very practical. And two, I want to give you permission. There are times in your life where it's okay to focus on yourself. I'm standing here saying that Paul is saying, focus on others, and that is the, that's the normal pattern of life. But there are times when we have loss, when we're in grief, when we have, again, physical illness, physical limitations, maybe relational issues in our lives. It's okay to focus on ourselves. Don't feel badly about that. I do want to give you a word of caution, though. If it has been many, many, many months of focusing on yourself, or it's been years of focusing on yourself, it may be that God is calling you to change that focus and begin to look at at ways you might be able to encourage and build up others. Because that's the normal pattern. That's that's what really God's desire is for us. It's, It's what the normal Christian life is about, helping one another. But there are times when it's okay. So our second principle right, was treasure others. And our third and last principle is elevate God. The selfie culture that we live in, it it sends a really strong message, right, that God is sort of irrelevant or distant or maybe overly judgmental or maybe non-existent. At the very least, the culture that we live in sends a message that we need to help God out, right? We need to do our part to get into heaven. Two years ago, 2016, so this is pretty recent, there was this, this question was asked in a poll. By the good deeds that I do, I partly contribute to earning my place in heaven. More than 50% of Americans believe that statement is true. I would tell you that around here in Butler, the people that I talk at funerals, I would have said it was higher than 50%. A lot of people feel that way. If I'm good enough, I can get in. There's another quote that is often attributed to Benjamin Franklin, which I, I think says a very similar thing, and it aligns itself very well with this selfie selfie world that we live in, right? And that quote, uh, even though, again, it's attributed to Benjamin Franklin, lots of people said it before him, that quote is this, God helps those who help themselves. 
Here's a couple interesting facts about that phrase. Several years ago, that phrase topped a poll of the most widely known Bible verses. Okay? Five years ago, 75% of, the Ameri of American teenagers said they believed that God helps those who help themselves was the central message of the Bible. Okay, here's the problem. It's not a verse in the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach that. In fact, the Bible teaches, especially as it comes to salvation, it teaches the exact opposite, right? Joe talked about this so well last week. He read Romans 3. I'm just going to read two, two, three verses real quickly from Romans 3. It says this, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have to be, together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And Joe went on to explain that we can't do anything to, to reach God's standard. We, we can never do it. Jesus Christ lived the perfect life so that we might have life. But we cannot do that. And yet, the world in which we live believes the exact opposite. I'm not going to repeat all that Joe said. I would encourage you to listen if you didn't have an opportunity to his sermon on our website or uh, watch it on our Facebook stream. Here's what I want you to know, though. Understanding that fact that God did it all and, and we, we can't do anything except by faith except the work that he did, I think that it's important for us because uh, it, it really encourages us to elevate God, to worship God, to be thankful to God for what he has done for us. And so this idea of elevating God is really, it means to worship him to lift him up. And understanding that only through God's love and grace do we have the opportunity to have eternal life and abundant life. I think understanding that, it leads us to worship him. In verse 17 of this chapter, it says that we are to have gratitude in our hearts, right? We're to be thankful for what he's done, thankful for how much he loves us. Elevating God, John Piper says this about worshiping God or elevating God. He says, worshiping God means we value and treasure God above all things. So, so really worshiping God is this act of focusing on him and understanding with our minds and responding with our hearts to the fact that God is above and more valuable than anything or anyone else. That's the act of worship. It reminds us who God is and who we are. Think about how different that view is compared to the selfie world view that we've been talking about. Selfie world view says, I'm the standard, I'm the focus, I'm the most important. Worshiping God says, he's the standard. Perfection is the measuring stick, not us. Worship reminds us, I think in a very tangible way, of God's truth, that he's on the throne and we are not. It aligns our thinking and our values with God's values, with God's values found in his word. Listen to Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. It says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
And then Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. I think if he was writing to us this morning, he might say, do not conform to the pattern of this selfie world in which you live, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And the idea here again is as we worship and our minds are focused on God and who he is and that he is more valuable than anything or anyone else, we begin to align our thinking and our values with God's word. And our thinking becomes right. We are thinking rightly rather than the world, which is at times, almost all the time, thinking wrongly. This idea of alignment it's important that we spend time in God's word and, and, and worshiping God for alignment. The idea of alignment uh, reminds me of, of a time in my life, and I, I shared the story about uh, these, this story in the first service, and someone said, like, you're getting old, man. You got a lot of ailments. So, yeah, I guess I do. But about six, seven years ago, I had back pain, major back pain for almost two years. And I tried everything. Right? I exercised, I stretched, I used exercise balls, I tried different chairs and cushions and slept in different positions and tried medication, and in the end, I still had back pain. It just never went away. So I decided to try a chiropractor, right? And, and I had been to a chiropractor a couple times. It hadn't hurt me, but it really hadn't helped me, but I thought, I'm going to give it a try. So I went to the chiropractor, and he said, yeah, your spine is out of alignment. It's being pulled to one side. And, and it needs to be aligned. It needs to be adjusted. He said, but if I adjust it, it's going to just go right back out of alignment very quickly. But over a course of time, if you come and I, and I make these adjustments, little by little, it will stay in alignment and then and you'll be okay. So sure enough, for six weeks, I went there, I think twice a week. And, and at the end of that, sort of during that time, I'd feel a little better, then it would get worse, a little better, and it'd get worse. After six weeks, I was pain-free. And he said, now begin to do your exercises. Because now the muscles and the tendons that, that you're exercising, they'll hold the back in the proper position before it was sort of pulling it out of position. And so I did that. And over the, the course of several months at times, I would think, oh, I feel like it's out of alignment. I would go back and make one adjustment, and I'd be lined up. I haven't been to a chiropractor now in, I don't know, two or three years. Back pain's gone. I'm excited about that. Well, that idea, that idea of alignment, it's, 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 again, it's worship. Worship brings our thinking, our values into alignment. It's easy for us, just like with my back, in the culture that we live in, to little by little, imperceptibly, it, it, we, don't, we don't even perceive it's happening, but our thinking gets out of alignment. We begin to believe things that are not true. We begin to look at things through, through a, a grid that is wrong. The Colossians were doing it, and we can do it as well. And Paul is writing to them with correction. And this correction is for us as well. And a big part of this is this idea of alignment. We have to keep our thinking and our values in, a, in their proper place. And worship is a big part of that. So we looked at three areas, right? Three areas quickly this morning. Who we are, our attitude towards others, our response to God. And hopefully you've been able to gather those three principles that we talked about. Comprehend your value, treasure others, and elevate God. Pretty simple, right? So here's what I want to leave you with. I want to encourage you, as it relates to comprehending your value, not to let the selfie world make you believe that your value comes from your comment section. 
The truth is your value doesn't come from what anybody says about you ever. Comprehend that your value comes from God. You're dearly loved. You're his chosen people. Critically important. And I want to challenge you as well not to let the selfie world convince you that when you come to church, it's about you and your preferences and your wants, but rather to focus on others and look for opportunities to encourage and build up one another. And then I I really want to invite you not to let the selfie world influence you into believing that God is somehow distant or not caring or unimportant, but rather that you would worship him, elevate him, and, and understand that he is the most valuable person, more valuable than anyone or anything else in your life. Those are the challenges from the passage that we've read this morning. I do want to let you know one more thing, one more challenge, right? Before you leave, let's, let's practice this. Before you leave this morning, just going to throw this out to you. Instead of heading straight to your car, take 60 seconds, maybe 120, and just look for somebody that maybe God would have you encourage. Just somebody, maybe you know them, maybe you don't. Maybe in the lobby, just, just stay for just a moment and see. Now, if you have to get your children, please do that first. But, but rather than getting your children and heading straight for your car, it's okay to wait in the lobby, in the children's hallway, and just see. Maybe there's someone that you would just say, hey, how are you? Good to see you. And maybe you'll have an opportunity to encourage them. I want to remind you that Ben and Chelsea are in the lobby. Please take an opportunity to talk with them. I know it'll be an encouragement to them. If you do that, learn a little bit about the project. It's amazing what they're trying to do. Uh, You're going to hear more about our opportunity to give to that second floor, providing those rooms for men and and women, if, if that happens as well, who accept Christ out of that background. They need a place to go. It would be awesome for us to be able to provide that for them. Also, the the missions trip. They'll talk to you about that. There's that sign-up sheet we talked about. If you're interested, please sign up. If we get folks to go, we're going to try to go. If we don't, then we won't. We'll do it another time. Last thing is, before you leave, if you want someone to pray with you, there'll be folks up front to pray with you, to talk with you about anything that you'd like to talk about. If you just want us to pray for you, we'd love to do that as well. I really appreciate you being here this morning. I want you to know that next week, Pastor Joe will be preaching. He'll be continuing this theme of selfless living in a selfie world. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for being here. Have a great day.